So for some reason, we are choosing one of the smallest bits of our brain to live in and ignoring this bigger, massive, powerful, creative block of millions of neurons that we could use, or we could use some of it anyway. Welcome to the Have It All podcast. I'm Elon Ferdman, and along with my brother Guy, we're Satori Prime. We've spent the last 16 years on a quest of mastery, and not just in business, all areas. Mastery of our finances, our bodies, our relationships, and most importantly, our minds. You see, while most people fantasize about their dream life, we went out and created it. And you bet we learned a few things along the way. So if you want to gain new skills and tools that will help you achieve the life of your dreams, well, you've come to the right place. So get ready to have your mind expanded. Implement what you learn here today, and you'll start living the life of your dreams instead of just, well, dreaming about it. So are you ready to have it all? Let's go. Well, my fellow Satorians, it has come to our attention that many of you are not yet aware of some massive news in the Satori Prime world. So let me let you in on a not so little secret right now. So Guy and I have recently created an app that you can now download on your iPhone or your Android device just by searching for Satori Prime in either iTunes or the Google Play Store. Or if you want, you can even download it directly to your desktop by going to app dot satoriprime.com and the reviews are in and they are lively things like life-changing i love the gamification i share this with everyone in my life and my favorite how is this free so if you want to join your fellow satorians in our very own exclusive community then like i said head either to your itunes or google play store and search for satori prime or simply go to app.satoriprime.com and install it on your desktop So as soon as you join, what we're going to do is we're going to give you access not only to our amazing community, we're also going to give you access to a completely free 10-part transformational mini-series that we've never released anywhere else. And this is where you can begin to uncover all of these limiting beliefs and start upgrading them. Things like money, overwhelm, procrastination. You'll get to see how you can create accountability in your life like never before, and you'll get to experience life in a whole new way. So if you haven't done so already, come join our Satorian family today. Make sure to go download that app. And now it's time for the episode. All right, everyone. So welcome back to another Have It All podcast. And uh, like I said in the intro, I'm so excited to have this guest because we're going to be speaking about a topic that I think as an entrepreneur, people talk about and know very, very little about, which is luck. So, Dr. Steve Simpson, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. Yeah, we had a chat a little while ago, and we were both sitting there talking to each other, like we're gonna we're about to have a lot of fun when we do this uh, this interview finally. So, uh, before we dive into what your expertise is on the on the micro level, uh, why don't you just share with people what you're passionately uh, talking about recently, and about your book, and and the concepts of the book, and around luck. Well, I mean, luck is my passion at the moment, and uh, it has been for, um, I I don't know, about two and a half years. But before then, I think I was probably like most people where I always felt it would be good to be lucky, but I didn't really have a clue, you know, what was the difference between lucky people and unlucky people. The funny thing is, you know, that when I look back on my life, the very best things that have happened 
Uh, they've never been on my New Year resolution list. They've never been in my strategic plan. There's stuff that even if I'd spent, you know, days um, brainstorming things or going into deep trance, I, w- I don't think I'd have come up with any of them. They just happened. So, you know, if I'd really thought a bit more about it, I'd have said, yeah, you're a pretty lucky guy. Actually, um, you're so lucky that when things don't go right, it's because you're making these plans that, um, you know, you'd have been best left undone. Just, you should have just put yourself into the frame, put yourself into the game and see what happens. So uh, anyway, I mean, what kind of crystallized some of these thoughts was I was getting a little presentation to a group of people. It was in January 2014. And um, not surprisingly, you know, everybody, well, a lot of people, that's the time of the year when they start thinking, okay, this is the year when I'm going to really make it. And they're full of hope and expectation. I'm really lose that 10 pounds this time. <laughs> yeah, they really are this time. You know, they're going to go to that gym every day, not, not just every day in the first week of January. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so and, and so, I was asking these people. Okay, you've you've got your dreams, you've got your goals. Who has goals about about the health? And a lot of people do, just as you did just then. That came pretty straight to you. What about wealth? And people, yeah, they you know, most people think about wealth. It, it may be how much money they're going to earn, earn, but it's it's for others. It's going to be how can they be rich in all of their life, and mm-hmm. it is necessarily money. And um, another one that I threw in was, you know, who wants to be happy this year? And sure enough, I don't think a single person said they did. they wanted to be less happy. Uh, so those are, those are all pretty universal things. And that's where I was going to end that little sort of introduction to my talk. And then um, something prompted me, you know, perhaps an intuitive thought. I just had another question. I said, now, who wants to be in 2014, have a lot more luck? And something happened in that room. You know, I could sense it on the stage and and I could look at them and I could see that it was as if there was some reptilian thought was surfacing. And I just knew that they couldn't really put words to what they were feeling, but they wanted it. And they were really, you know, hooked and they wanted to learn more. And that was how the rest of the session went. And and it didn't stop with that little presentation I made because... um, I was rushing straight from there to uh, go to the airport to fly up to Edinburgh in Scotland, which is a really nice place. And because I just started working with a a professional poker player, and a a female poker player, her name was Liv, and she was in a big tournament, and it was the first poker tournament I'd ever been to. And um, I'm I'm glad to say that I was up there for the next few days, and um, Liv did really well. I mean, she really got lucky. She probably had more luck in those few days than in the whole of um, 2013. And so when my clients are lucky, you know, so am I. And it didn't, it didn't stop there. But anyway, I mean, that's kind of quite a long yeah, so, explanation so of how I got into it and why it's my passion at the moment. I love that. So let's start digging deeper. You know, there's okay. a lot of talk about uh, you get luckier the harder you work and, and things like that that people hear about all the time. So how do you define luck? Because I think a lot of people can define luck very differently. Mm-hmm. So how are you defining luck for the context of this conversation? Okay, well, I wrote my book called Get Lucky Now, and I think I start with that definition because you're quite right. It does mean different things to different people. And I can't remember exactly what I said then, but I mean, you know, my, you know, what I feel about luck now 
It, it's something that happens to people that has no logical explanation at the moment. Because I have a feeling one day, and I'm not sure that I want this day to come, by the way, but I have a feeling one day that the scientists will somehow you know, work this out and a lot more accurately and perhaps more convincingly than I can. At the moment, all I can do is just believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there, there's an interesting book, and I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head right now. I think it's by the guy that wrote Good to Great. I don't remember the, the name of the new one, but they actually have a whole chapter on the ROI of luck. So it's L-O-I is the, the chapter, and they actually study 20 companies in chaotic times. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's like one you know benchmark company and then its next competitor, and they actually formulaically attempted to study luck, and they had set up all of these parameters and things like that, and it was super, super interesting to, I I guess for me, decipher, you know, I think our mental brain likes to think of people as lucky Mm -hmm. uh, when in fact it's work and sometimes think that it's work when in fact it's lucky. So, you know, for the example of, let's just use this uh, poker player. Okay. And we're talking about getting luckier. So what does that look like in her life? Well, um, it's easy in a poker player because luck to them can be, there's a number attached to it. You know, what position did they come in the tournament? How much money did they win? If those numbers are low or zero, then that's not luck. (laughs) (laughs) That's what they call bad luck. Yeah. How does someone like that, though, you know, because obviously as a good poker player, it a lot of it is very, um, it's very skill-based. I mean, I, I think for someone that doesn't know about poker, you're like, oh, you know, it's it's the luck of the cards that came out. But for for them, it's not. I mean, it's, it's math equations. They know, you know, based on the cards that have fallen, what the percentage is of who's got what and this and that. So, you know, in, in that respect, how does she chalk up what happens to luck versus being more skilled at that particular moment? Yeah, well, that's a good question. The, the, the poker players call this variance, which is a statistical word. I suppose it means, you know, scatter. Um, you know, what, what's a normal pattern of up and down that we all have in our life? And what is something that's more than that? Mm. And um, since I was working with Liv, I, I went to work on, uh, I'm, still, I'm still working with a player called Chris Mormon. Chris Mormon actually is the world number one online poker player. Uh, last time I checked, and that would be about three minutes ago, joking, <laughs> <laughs> he'd won over $14 million. So that's more than anybody has ever won. And he's still, you know, he shows no signs of stopping. And um, I did, I asked him what he thought about luck. Uh, because you're quite right. A lot of people who don't know very much about professional about poker, and, and I have to say, I don't know a huge amount. I mean, I play it, and I have a lot of fun playing it. But if I was having to pay the mortgage on my house, you know, um, I wouldn't be living in a house. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be living in a tent somewhere. Yeah. But uh, he said, he said, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of luck in uh, in poker. He said, in fact, uh, on a hand of cards, he said it's probably seventy percent luck. Wow. He said, but over 10 years, it's less than 1%. Hmm. 
So what, that's what, what he was saying in a very simple way, which actually is a good way, is that that's variance. Yeah, you, you can't, you know, you have no control over the cards you're going to be dealt. But over time, with all of those millions of cards you've been dealt, by having that kind of mindset, by having done all the deep thought, the deep practice, uh, you get that edge. Awesome. All right. So let's, yeah. let's talk about that. Because mm. I think now the question that everyone's asking is like, okay, so how do I create more luck in my life? Okay. So how do we well, go about doing that? Some people these days, their attention span for stuff like books, uh, they, they, that's just too much for them. Uh, if, they, if it can't be described in a three-minute video or something, then they lose interest fast. So knowing that, I have cut my book down to one word. Ah. It's still the same price, by the way. It still has the same cover. (laughs) And the one word is intuition. That's the best I can come up with. I figure if if I help people to develop their sense of inhibition, uh, intuition, then they're going to get lucky. That's brilliant. And we, we we do a lot of that same work. So I'm a big believer in that. And I'm curious, what's the process that you believe someone can go through to enhance and develop their intuitive skills? Well, they have to get into the kind of mindset where intuition can thrive because it's, it's a fragile flower. Okay. And the bad news is, is that this ideal mindset to grow your intuition has never been harder. We are the generation that have had it all in some ways, but when it comes to intuition, we have made life very difficult for ourselves. Hmm. And the, one of the major culprits uh, for this is, a, is an organization called Apple. <laughs> I hear they're quite successful. Um, I know that my study is full of Apple products, and I know that I love them, but I'm also, I'm, I also have enough self-insight to know that I'm addicted to them. Mm. I've come out in the open. I'm trying to find a, a, a group that I can join. Ah. <laughs> um, and and uh, you know, and and it's true. They have transformed our lives in in in, in wonderful ways and freed freed us up to do stuff. But there has been a cost. We're a bit like um, uh, about uh, you know the, the the monkey in the zoo that plays the slots, plays the slot machine. You, you know, we just can't stop. Um, there are people now, the millennial generation apparently are suffering this d- disease the worst. So many of them are complaining that they they just can't switch off, you know, their, their email. Uh, this is their work email, by the way. You know, they feel they have to have a last look, last thing they do before they go to bed. First thing they do when they wake up in the morning, and that goes on all through the day. And it doesn't stop when they're on holiday. Now, I doubt that their boss has told them that they have to be present like this 24-7. I doubt it. But somehow they have convinced, or many people have convinced themselves that they do. And that just might be one of the reasons. It's not the only reason, but it might just be one of the reasons why, um, you know, the incidence of mental health now amongst our populations is as bad as it's, well, it's worse than it's ever been before. Interesting. So is... is one of the things that you coach people on is to basically shut off from that world or limit it, or how does that work? That's exactly, that, that's exactly right. You see, the default state for people 
if, if people say, okay, well, what do I have to do to get more intuition? My first answer to that is, you don't have to do anything. That's, that's the, the, the good bit, um, because it's your default state. Yeah. We, have, we have evolved over a million years to be, to be very intuitive people. I mean, we were able to read people. We were able to anticipate the weather before we could speak, before we had language. Language came late in our evolution. Um, but the problem now is you see that, like I said earlier, intuition is a, is a fragile flower. It comes from deep within our mind and deep within our unconscious mind. Now, we spend most of our life living in our conscious mind, not the unconscious, the conscious, and that's the very small bit. So for some reason, we are choosing one of the smallest bits of our brain to live in and ignoring this bigger, massive, powerful, creative block of millions of neurons that we could use, or we could use some of it anyway. Yeah. So how do people start tapping into that unconscious? Um, by, 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 by closing down, quietening down their conscious mind. And, and as you said, you know, uh, just a bit earlier, uh, one way to do that is just to switch off these products that we mentioned, these gadgets. Is one of the things that you uh, work with a lot, I'm assuming, is meditation as well? Yes, I do. That is one of those seven secrets. You know, I'm embarrassed when people ask me, what are the seven secrets, as you might do. I always think, I hope I can remember them because I haven't written written them down. But I do know that uh, meditation is one of them. And uh, I have a feeling that, um, yeah, that's secret number four. Yeah, I I, I actually call it, I think I might call it mindfulness because it's very much the same thing. It's developing, well, ideally, we would develop an empty mind, but to be quite honest, there's not many others that can do that. I, I certainly can't. But you don't have to. If you can just quieten it a little bit, that intuition will be strong enough to give us a feeling, a feeling of something. Is there a type of meditation that you recommend? I've tried, I've tried many over the years. Um, I've, I've tried a heart math, which you might be familiar with, uh, which is, 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 is kind of like a, you know, establishing a breathing pattern and mm-hmm. coordinating your heart and your mind. By, by doing that, and I and I found that very helpful. Um, that people repeat mantras to themselves. I've tried that in the past, but in fact, as I've been doing that since I was in my twenties, probably not surprisingly, I'm a bit bored of that by now. Uh-huh. Something that I do a lot, and I know many people do, is uh, I just go for a walk. And the important thing about the the walk is that I don't have you know, my iPhone or my Android or whatever. I don't have any of those gadgets with me. don't even have music. I mean, it's lovely to walk with music, but unless it's the right kind of music, um, then it's probably better, you know, not to. And, and go with a problem. Start off with a problem, you know. I could pace around my study thinking about this thing, but I say, no, okay, I'm not going to probably find the answer here. I'm going to get out and go for a good walk and, I'm going to go with this problem. I'm not necessarily going to think about it, but I'm going to put it in my sort of um, metaphorical suitcase, backpack, and we'll see what happens. And it's just like when people go to sleep at night. They go to, if they may go to sleep with a problem, assuming they can get to sleep, and they'll wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning with the answer. It's a very common thing. Yeah. So, so, so it can be with a walk. So you, because the unconscious mind can speak. Exactly. So a couple of things I want to clarify for people here. One is I'd like you just to discuss a little bit about how to ask a question 
and then the process of also listening for the answer. What I've found is that human beings, intuition comes to, it's, it's a natural default state, like you said. Mm-hmm. I think what I've noticed happen with people, it's like we get these inspired thoughts and it's very difficult for people to discern whether it's the voice in their head or you know, their subconscious speaking, their heart, their intuition. And a lot of the times we get these messages and we dismiss them. And over time, what I find happens is you dismiss, you dismiss, you dismiss, and you're basically telling your program, I, know, I don't believe in this stuff. And for a lot of human beings, that process of getting back to a place where they've opened their selves up to receive that intuitive thoughts and act upon it so that they can reprogram themselves and go, I fully receive this and I accept this information and I'm going to take action on it, which basically feeds your system to go, okay, you know, we have a player here. So my first question would be, are there any tips that you can give people on, you know, how to ask the questions either before a walk or before sleep, things like that? Yeah. And I enjoyed the way you sort of introduced that question. I mean, it made me think rapidly while you were doing so because you expressed it in a way that I don't think I've ever heard before, but it was good. We have to be careful with all of these things that we don't slip into our habit of using our conscious mind because that would be so easy to do because, you know, our conscious mind is geared towards wanting an explanation, wanting to understand what is the rule here. And those are are things that we have to let go of. Mm. And that can be hard. And for some people, it can be really hard. So to engage our creative unconscious mind, a a technique that that I use um, is I I pose myself a question and it could be, I wonder what? Mm. Or it could be just, I wonder. And I I may not even say anything after that. Because we don't need to spell things out to our unconscious mind. It will know better than we do. So sometimes, like, I wonder. Because the unconscious mind, however it works, it would be thinking, well, I wonder about a lot of things, for sure. But I have a feeling that I know what is occupying Steve's mind at the moment. Mm. Once again, he's seen too many trees. (laughs) We'll see if we can make it simple for this guy. And we'll give him a feeling. You see, that's that's how the other thing that you said was, uh, how do you know that this is the real intuition and not something you've just constructed? Well, that's because something you've constructed, it will be in words. But something that comes from inside, our, from deep inside, it will have a feeling. And you can see that I'm touching my heart right now because that's where I feel things. Um, other people will feel them in their head or they'll feel, you know, the back of their neck or something. We're all different, like, or the stomach. A lot of people feel stuff in their stomach. That's why they say, I just had this gut feeling that this was the right thing to do. Or, you know, my head was telling me to do one thing, but my heart was telling me to do the other. So we, we're all, we all have this. So, you know, we can, I, th- I think that we can all, as long as we know that we have it and as long as we know that it's a feeling that is fairly formless, then that is a very good clue that we're on the right lines and, and not consciously constructing the yeah. into- I, I've actually experienced, so mine is also in, in my heart is where mm-hmm. I feel it. Um, well, two, actually two places. So in my heart, 
I generally feel yeses. So it'll be things that I feel are intuitively pulling me towards something. Um, And they generally, for me, they come with messages. Uh, Simple things like I'll, I'll meditate and someone will out of nowhere, seemingly out of nowhere, a person will pop into my head. And I used to just dismiss these things and go, oh, you know, like that was so weird. I I thought about so-and-so. I've actually trained myself to contact that person every single time. So no matter who comes into my meditation, I'll just send them a quick note like, hey, was meditating this morning. You came to mind. Just wanted to see how you're doing. And I have to say that nine out of 10 times, the response is, oh my God, Elon, you won't believe this. I was just thinking about you or I was just talking about you the other day or something like that. I mean, it literally just happened to me this morning. I, I actually was driving my kids to camp. I meditated, had this thought about uh, these women that I met in Colombia. And on my drive to take my kids to camp, before I even could like get into my day or anything, they messaged me. Mm. So... You know, things like that. And then my my stomach, you were talking about my stomach. My stomach, when it drops, is usually um, a fear-based response or like, a, you know, maybe this is not the right place to do it or things like that. So I agree. It's definitely less verbal in its communication. And I think there's something to be said about understanding the experience and the feelings in your body so that you can kind of feel, is this a yes? Is this a no? Is this a pulling? Is this, you know, so, cause otherwise I think it's for a lot of people, they can equate those body sensations with a million other things. And it takes that mindfulness and going, Oh, that's interesting. This is what I'm feeling. Let me experience experiment with this quote unquote, see how this goes. And then that for me has helped me build my intuitive and inspired thought abilities. Well, I'm not, I'm not surprised. I think that's brilliant. And I, and I, I think your, um, your audience is, is, is going to be really impressed with that because, because I am, I mean, the way you say, you know, when you meditate every day and you just wait and see what people come to you and then you contact them. I mean, I wish I'd been doing that. I'm, I'm, uh, going to, I'm, going to, I'm going to take that tip because I know that sometimes I do it when it's a very strong feeling. And you're absolutely right. Nine times out of ten, that person will say, oh, it's just about to pick up the phone to you or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I don't do it in such a, you know, a regular – you almost do it as your default state. And I think For me, you know, it's what I said before. For me, what it's become is – I believe that the more you trust this ability, here's what's happened, the the way that I see it. Human beings, at some point, this was our mode of operation. Like Mm -hmm. like you said, way back in the day, before language, before all of that, you know, thought, feeling, it's going to rain, go into a cave. Like we didn't have all of this other component of the reptilian brain going like, do this, do that. You know, there wasn't like a million distractions and all these things. We operated based off of that. I think now that pendulum is swung, like you said, in the complete opposite direction where people are run by this monkey brain of ours. Mm -hmm. And we keep listening to that monkey brain. And that monkey brain, I, I always tell people like, think logically about this. If you hired the monkey brain, 
to help you in any area. I don't know, pick whatever area, your, your health, your relationships, money, whatever. And it tells you like, so-and-so is being, you know, vindictive, like this is what you need to do. And then you follow that, right? You follow it to the T. 99% of the time, it gives you the worst advice ever. And you go do that thing and it completely blows up in your face and just all of it, right? If that was someone that you hired, like you paid them thousands of dollars for that advice, you went, you fulfilled on that advice and it blew up in your face. Not only are you never working with that person again, but you're going to get all of your money back and make the biggest stink about how no one should ever work with this person, right? And yet we don't do that. We keep going back to that voice over and over again. Tell me what next. Okay. Well, that didn't work. Tell me what next. We do. Given our trust and faith to that voice, what I've been practicing and teaching my clients is, well, there's this whole other voice, that intuitive voice that if you look at your life, like you said in the beginning, everything great that's ever happened to you, that voice, that intuitive pull has helped you achieve. We just don't give our trust yet to that voice. So by me, every morning, regardless of how strong that intuition is, by me saying like, I trust this, I'm going to act on this. And then even during my waking days, you know, like as a coach, we're constantly receiving messages. Like you'll be talking to someone and something will come through. And when I first started coaching, I wouldn't trust that because I'd be like, that's crazy. Like, why would I ask this person that question? Like, it's not even in the context of the conversation. And recently, it's just, I'm like, if it comes to me, I'm, I'm putting it out there because yeah. I'm going, okay, I want to trust this more and more. I want to believe this more and more. I want you to know that I trust and fully receive all of it. And it, it's heightened my awareness of all of it. And the results, I mean, like, I'm sure you can, you can attest to the results when you live from that place are, I mean, lucky is the word, uh, magical is a word, you know, and I just think that that's like the default state of human. We've just gotten lost. Yeah, I mean, so true. And, um, you know, this monkey brain you were talking about, you know, there's a whole army of people who are making a fortune by being monkey brains. And they call these people executive coaches. (laughs) Because, I mean, you know, how how do you rise to the top in business, um, obviously you work hard. You're driven, and, and there's various other success qualities. Um, but you probably, and this is this is a sort of a generalization that isn't that isn't always true. In many companies, it's going to be very formalized. The thinking is going to be very formalized. Mm. I mean, think of think of an accountancy firm. You know, they're not going to hire. Well, they may, but they are less likely to hire, I suspect, somebody like you or me who says, you know, okay, what's your sales pitch? What are you going to do for us? Um, Well, I'm not really going to do very much. We're going to sit in a quiet place and I suppose we might do a little bit of thinking. (laughs) I mean, I'm sort of exaggerating. But, uh, you know, the executive coach is going to say, well, we're going to do some strategic planning. We're going to run some Pareto equations, cause and effect, all this kind of stuff. And the people say, that's brilliant. You're just the kind of people we need to get our organization back. Yep. Now, like I said, there are exceptions. There are some companies that are incredibly creative and open to this kind of, I don't know, what kind of, what do we call it? New age thinking or 
Mm-hmm. But uh, but that is definitely the kind of coach that I think is likely to produce the best results. Yeah. And actually, you know, some of my clients do come from industry, and one of them is in a very senior position in a multinational bank. I mean, I'm absolutely not going to tell you which one, but that person is very uh, extremely intuitive, and we can talk very very openly about luck. Now, for those of you who might have invested your money in this bank. Um, don't worry. They, they don't all, we don't go into a little uh, uh, little tent with my client and we, we say, oh, yeah, we're going to put all our money in this. All of, no, not our money. All of our clients' money in this. <laughs> no, fortunately, it doesn't work like that. But it's part of the creative process. It helps this person to be very open to their own intuition and also the intuition of the team around them. Mm-hmm. So just in your life, I'm, I'm curious. So as someone who is in the coaching space and, and working with clients and things like that. I think there's kind of two types of ways that people attract new business. The one I call is uh, going in a, with a flashlight in the dark, seeking them out. Mm-hmm. And the other is someone who's, you know, I believe more tapped into their intuitive is, you know, kind of almost following the messages and the guiding lights and being open and receiving those individuals. Um, what's your experience been like? I'm sure you've kind of been on both sides of yeah. this equation. So I'm curious now, you know, how are you um, finding these, these, these coaching clients like, you know, poker players and, and multinational bank ex- executives, things like that? Well, um, the old Steve, he wouldn't have had one flashlight you would have had two in each hand and one on his head. Yeah, I was going to say, probably one here. And every dark hole that I saw was an invitation for me to dive in there with my flashlights and see what I could find. But, you know, I never really found anything very much. Yeah. Um, and I spent a lot of money doing it, you know, marketing campaigns, hiring people, stuff like that. And um, it had some success, but not not a lot. My approach now is... Uh, remember exactly how you described it, but definitely um, I put myself into any game in town. I put myself and my ideas in front of as many people as possible. First of all, because I like doing that, I love talking to other people and I love making little videos and and exploring my thoughts through video and and through, through audios and stuff like that. And it's almost as if, in fact, I was talking to, I used to work with uh, and still do work with professional golfers on the tour. And I was talking to a tour coach and we were talking about Tiger Woods. Now, this was in the day when Tiger was at the top of his game. And uh, this coach, he put it in a very good way. He said, uh, and we were talking about luck. I think we were talking, we called it magic then. I wasn't really into luck at that point. And And he said, I know what it is. He said, Tiger has this antenna. And he can wind it right up so high that he attracts anything that's going around, you know, mm. like magic or whatever, and he's able to perform these incredible golf shots. And so, in what you know, the way that I feel, think about it now is that um, I'm, I, I guess I'm, you know, by putting myself in front of a lot of people, I'm improving my chances of, re- of my ideas resonating with more people. And I think that I'm putting, my, you know, it's not just me and my ideas. I'm putting some energy out there. And maybe that's finding an antenna or a lightning rod or something. 
Hey, I just wanted to pause here for a second and tell you about something that I realize many of you have no idea about. So Guy and I have just released a brand new advanced training. So after hundreds of emails and questions constantly asking us, well, how do I have it all? How do I have it all? We've created the five pillars to having it all. So if any of the things we share with you here on the podcast have resonated with you, then I'd like to invite you personally to an all new training. Now you can register for the next live class by heading to www.satoriprime.com forward slash register. There you'll be able to register for the next live class or if you're one of these people that I need it now, you can always just watch the latest replay on that page as well. This, by the way, my friends, is a robust, in-depth training that will help you clearly see what's currently stopping you in any area of your life, be it your health, your relationships, your finances, or simply just maybe you want to manifest that big dream. It will help you with all of that. So again, go check it out by going to www.satoriprime.com forward slash register. And now back to the podcast. I was in Colombia and I was um, doing um, ayahuasca ceremony. And I had this notion that instead of going out there, you know, with this, this flashlight mechanics that everyone has, like, are you my client? Are you my client? (laughs) Um, That if you shot a like beacon into the sky, so similar to what you were saying with Tiger Woods, if you just shot a beacon into the sky and it'd be like moth to flame, right? Then then the right people will naturally be magnetized to that beacon. And all you need to focus on is just strengthening the beacon, like making the light shine brighter and higher and things like that. And that I think is to anyone, um, that's inner work. It's just, you know, how do you get the light to shine brighter? It's, it's all doing inner work. It's removing every layer of I'm not good enough or I'm not worthy, which is something I, I think the I'm not worthy conversation is probably the thing that plagues humanity more than any other thing. And so a lot of the, the stuff that we do is all around reprogramming all of these old beliefs and programs that people have around their worthiness and um, levels of receiving and things like that. And I feel like when you get out of your own way, uh, it's like you said, the, the natural flow of things is, is to, for, for magic and for luck to be there. So do you, uh, I know we, we kind of danced around it, but uh, maybe it, it would be good for people just to hear the, the seven principles of, of your book and go from there. Uh, yeah. The first one is goals. We've talked a, a little bit about that. The problem, I, th- I think goals are a good thing. Well, it, it depends how we use them. They, yes. Goals can get in the way. They've got to be the right kind of goal. And the first thing we have to be careful about with goals is we have to ask ourselves a very honest question. Is this really, really something that I want for myself? Mm. Because a lot of us, consciously or unconsciously, the goal that we think is important to us, it's not our own. It's We've been infected with it from somebody else or from society. What society thinks would be good for us to achieve. Mm-hmm. So I talk a little bit about that. 
Um, number two, and it's deliberately up there as number two because it probably is the second most important after goals, and that's the word that you mentioned, and it's confidence. I see a lot of people who one of their main questions is, or the things they want, is they want more confidence. And then they say, what do I have to do to be more confident? And then I say, you don't have to do anything. And that blows them away. They say, well, why? Of course I do. I said, well, look, there are things that I can get you to do that will make you feel more confident. I can make you adopt a confident posture for a start because the physiology will work on the brain. Mm -hmm. And I can, I can tell you to stop beating yourself up all the time and, and make a vow to yourself that you're never going to criticize yourself, stuff like this. I said, this will work. I can guarantee it will work. But the thing that I think can work the most is by knowing that you don't actually have to do anything. Because again, just like some of the other conditions we've talked about, the default state for the human being is to be confident. Kids, by and large, and at the right age, are confident. But then somebody will be watching them playing or whatever, and they say, you know, you need to come down a peg or two. You're not going to have many friends if you talk like that, mm -hmm. how good you are. And the kid will say, but I am good. I feel I'm good. And they, the kid does. But then that's kind of knocked out of them. So we've all got to have that kind of inner self-esteem. Uh, we, we, we can't be arrogant stuffed shirts, but I think we know the difference. Yeah. So that is, that, is how we, that is how we want to be. So if we're not feeling confident, the confidence hasn't disappeared. It's gone to hide somewhere because something else has kicked it out or is blocking it. So um, where are we? That's secret number three. Uh, number three is visualization. And uh, by the way, all of these things, I haven't invented any of them. Um, I've thought a lot about them. I've read a lot about them. I've researched them. And I've tried to put them together in a way that makes sense. I've tried to simplify them if possible without losing all of their value. But uh, I mean, I think it was Einstein who said, um, I hardly ever think in words. I think in, in pictures. And we all are very, very visual people, even though we might not know that or deny it. But our mind does work in pictures. Our mind is not full of words sorting themselves out into grammatical sentences. It's feelings that become pictures. Because when we can, when we can this is visualization, when we can see something, the chances of it happening are very much better. And if we can't have a picture, then it probably will never happen. And that's one of the first questions I ask when people say, well, you know, this is what I want from my life. And I, I ask them to describe it. And then I'll say, you know, I'll try to disguise the question and I'll say, you, you know, can you, can you see the picture of what you just told me? And they say, well, you know, it's a long way away. I, I can get some kind of shadows and stuff like that. And that, that tells me that either we've got the wrong picture or else we really need to work on that picture. Mm -hmm. um, that's, that's number great. three. Um, number four, uh, I think I said that was mindfulness. Yeah. Yeah. And we've talked a little bit about that. Uh, secret five is what I call the three H's uh, because they're all related and it's convenient. They start with the same letter H. And that is hypnosis, heart math, and a technique called havening, which you probably you may not have heard about. But I use all those three techniques to some extent on myself and, um, and with my clients. Uh, cool. Secret number six is a pretty important one, and I, 
and I, in, so, in different versions of the book and in my talks, I've called it different things. I think I started by calling it um, uh, adversity because uh, we're all going to have adversity and we all are going to react to adversity in different ways. And I have found that what defines a champion, a very successful person, it's not because they haven't had bad things happen to them. The chances are that they have, but it's how they've used them. Somehow, and I'm not sure I know how they've done it, somehow they've turned it into a positive. I mean, it, I mean, in the most bizarre way. I mean, I was listening to the radio the other day, and this lady was being interviewed. She'd made a free-fall parachute jump, and she was strapped to the instructor. And she said it was just the most fantastic thing that she'd ever done. But the main parachute had a malfunction, and the, the emergency parachute, it wrapped around the instructor's neck and was basically throttling him. So they, it didn't deploy, and they hit the ground very, very fast. And this poor lady was at the bottom, but if that wasn't bad enough, on top of her was the weight of the instructor who couldn't move. And to cut a long story short, this poor lady, she was paralyzed, and um, she's made a very, very slow recovery over the years. But she was asked by the interviewer, you know, do you ever wish this thing hadn't happened? And she said, no. She said, it made me a better person. I found out stuff about myself, um, you know, that I'd never have done. And I've heard this so many times. I don't know, Elon, whether you have. And, I, you know, you and I, I hope we're never in that position where we have to learn that. I'm prepared to take that on trust, but, you know, I don't want to go through that pain. But this is what, what, how incredible human resilience can be. So true. Yeah. And um, I'm doing pretty well, haven't I? I think I haven't forgotten. Yeah, no, I'm not going to forget the last one, um, because this is the one when people just look at the cover of my book or the, the preface and they say, oh, secret number seven. Can we go straight to there? Because secret number seven is magic. They want to learn about the magic. And the magic is, well, it's, it's magic is almost, you know, the same as luck. It's something incredible that we can't define. We know it's there. And we know that it's not random. We know there are times in our own lives when we can create magic. And in this chapter, I really go off on one. And I really, you know, I indulge myself in quantum theories and the, the, view, the views of Einstein and the law of attraction and um, philosophies like the three principles. Um, um, a, a lot of, a lot, particularly now, a lot about uh, Carl Jung's view of the collective unconscious. These, these are theories that excite me because I know that inside there, there's some universal truth. I don't know what it is, but I know that somewhere, and, and the good news is that you and I and everybody else, we don't need to know what it is. If we just are open to these things, then that's enough. Somebody said to me, that takes a leap of faith, doesn't it? And I said, yeah, it does. You do have to have faith. And then another person said, can I make a little correction? He said, yeah, go ahead. He said, it takes a leap to faith. Now, okay, that's a little bit pedantic, but I suppose they're slightly different. To me, describe it any way you want, but it's faith, it's belief. And I feel sorry for people who don't believe in anything. You know, I still believe in Santa Claus, by the way. I get presents every year. I still believe in fairies. All of these things I was told not to believe in, you know, once I left school, but 
I do believe in them now. I believe in everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm right along with you. And I think there's something super powerful. Again, like, you know, uh, having tapped into plant medicines and things like that, it almost removes these layers uh, that have been built up of doubt. And it allows you to experience and tap into a world that I feel like when we're kids is kind of the natural state for us. Mm -hmm. When our imagination runs rampant and we believe in everything and anything, whether it's, you know, ghosts or fairies or whatever it is. And, you know, as an adult, I've had so many different experiences whereby I was able to do things or see things that not on the medicine, I I believe to be impossible. And the beauty of that medicine is like, once you experience it, you experience it so wholly at such a soul deep level that you can't deny it. You can't just go back and go, ah, well, that was just that. Like, I, I don't believe it anymore. You know, and, and I think the more you believe in something, the more it exists. And I, you know, Wayne Dyer, I think said it best where he said, um, the, I'll believe it when I see it is false. You will only ever see it if you believe it. And, you know, we'll coach people and they'll be in a job that they hate and we'll be in this pattern of, I hate my job. I hate my job. I hate my job. And I'm like, well, you're going to get much more of hate my job (laughs) and you'll get another job and you'll hate that one too, because it's not about the job. It's about what's happening inside. And so, you know, that, that story with that woman, it's just like, yeah, it's an incredible ability to know and understand that everything that happens in your life, you've called upon yourself. It is happening for you, not to you. And when you have that view of life, then everything in life is a gift. Even the moments that you get angry or you have these incredible things happen to you. One of the things that I've started to notice a lot of people say in our language, if you think about it, is, you know, something incredible will happen. And what do people generally say? It's, I have to tell you, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. And what are you actually saying in that sub, in, in, your subconscious is basically like, this is so beyond anything that I could have expected. I don't believe this to be true. Where it's like, it's happening. It is believable. It's not crazy. It is you. It is your life. It's like, and the more you buy into that magic, I mean, look, I have post-its around my computer and this is one that I have. (laughs) Magic is now. Yeah. Because for me, it's, you know, that, that, programming of magic is our God-given default state. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in magic as a happenstance. It's just that's the way that this thing that I'm in gets to operate. And that's not more right than magic is bullshit. It's just when I believe the magic is now and my God-given right, then I can assert that my life shows up a very different way than someone who's like, I don't believe in magic. Prove it to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. All right. So we're coming up here to the end of the interview. Um, I have many, many more questions (laughs) for you. Um, But in, in, uh, in honoring our time and your time, I'd like to just um, finish with this 
one kind of thought and we'll see where it goes. So for the people that are listening to this and they don't necessarily believe and they, they're still kind of thinking like, oh, well, you know, luck is just BS or magic is BS. Is there one thing that we can kind of leave them with, maybe like an experiment, a small little experiment that they can play with in their lives over this next few days, just to try something on and, and see how it works for them? Yeah, I'm sure there is. The first thing I'd say to anybody, because we're talking about change here for, for all of us, and for some people, this kind of concept of life will be a huge change. And when you propose that to somebody, you can see as they, it's almost like a step back. You know, they want to do it, but something's stopping them, or they think they can't do it. So what I would say is, I would say, just try this. One of the things that we said in the show um, that resonated with you at the time, just try that one thing, but do it for 28 days because there's something magic about 28 days. Mm. It seems to be that if you can do something for that length of time, you can do it for the rest of your life, and there's a very good chance that you will. So, so if anybody's thinking, okay, well, what, you know, give me one thing, which is, you know, the question you put to me, I'll start with this one, which I think is as good as any I think, think of offhand. I want you to say to yourself, from this moment forward, I'm never going to say a bad thing about myself. Mm. You know, this talk we have in our head even. I mean, I don't want you to say something bad in front of another person. You know, like, oh, you won't guess how bad I was or, you know, uh, at my presentation. I mean, you don't need to. If that person was at your presentation then they would see that it wasn't your best day. But, you know, we all have good days, we all have bad days. And if you have a bad day, there's no point beating yourself up about it. So don't allow these, these self-criticisms to come out in front of other people. And more importantly, don't do it in your own head. And if you catch yourself, just stop it. Mm, I love that. That's really, really great. You make some awesome videos uh, that I've seen on YouTube. Uh, where can people follow you and get a hold of you to continue this conversation with you? Well, I'm, I'm on the usual social medias, but I mean, the easiest thing I think probably is to look at my website because everything is there one way or the other. And the, the, the short name for my website, which is probably easy for people to remember, is getluckynow.me, M-E, getluckynow.me. And that'll take them to my drstevensimpson.com. And, uh, but everything is there. And I, I welcome, I always welcome comments and questions. So if anybody who's seen the show, they have questions, fire them in to me. Or you look at my website or my videos, or you come to my webinars or whatever, which are free, by the way, and you have questions, that's what I'm here for. Awesome. It was an absolute pleasure and uh, a great topic that I hope for those listening is eye-opening. And I, I really do encourage you Guy and I, my brother, we wanted to make a course when we first started. And the name of the course was It's All Bullshit. That's what we wanted to call the course. We didn't think that people would really vibe with that. So we've, we've had to call it other things. The concept behind it was, you know, we're, we're constantly going through our day and we just have judgments and perceptions and commentary about everything. And it's all made up. All of it. Is just made up. None of the stuff that you tell yourself is real. I know you want to believe that it's real. It's not. So if you can come from that, right? Like you've bought hook, line, and sinker that magic or luck is BS. 
And you made that. And what I would encourage you guys to play with is just for the next 28 days, play with magic is real. Magic is my new state of being. Uh, magic is my new truth. Like, and see, just play with that. You've given the other thing decades of runway time, right? Like, if you could try for the next 28 days, like Dr. Simpson saying, just explore and see what shows up in your life. Um, I think neither one of us would be shocked and amazed at what you're about to perform in your life. When you do that, uh, I think it'll just be very, very beautiful experiment for you guys. And uh, with that, have an amazing week. Make it a great week. And we'll talk soon. See you on the next Have It All podcast. So one last reminder before we wrap up here today, if you haven't already grabbed the app that all of your fellow Satorians are going gaga over, then I would recommend to do it right now. Well, I guess if you're driving, maybe not just this second, but when you get a chance, go to your iTunes or Google Play Store, search for Satori Prime and download it today. You'll get access, like I said earlier, to an amazing and life-changing 10-part mini-series. And if you want to know the clear steps to create the have-it-all life for yourself, this app is an absolute must. Like I said, and you can hear in my voice, we are incredibly excited to share it with you and be with you inside of our community. So we'll see you there. So that's it, my friends. That's today's episode. I just want to thank you for being part of our Have It All family and truly, truly thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help or give back in any way possible, the best way would be to share this or any other episode that you loved with your family, friends, or colleagues. And if you'd be so great as to just leave us a rating and a comment on either iTunes or Stitcher, whichever you use, that helps us tremendously. It only takes about two to three minutes of your time and would mean the world to us. Finally, I want to let you know that if you want to get even more exclusive content from Guy and I, just head over to satoriprime.com and make sure you join our mailing list. Now, I know what you might be thinking, God, not another mailing list, but I promise you, you'll only get an email or two from us per week and it will always have amazing videos and articles that I'm sure you're going to love, promise. So until next time, you can join our ongoing conversation at the Have It All Facebook group where you can let us know how we're doing and what we can do to improve. Love you all, and we'll see you on the next Have It All podcast. Have an amazing, amazing day, my friends. Mm-hmm.